0: Hi, I'm Rick Ryman, host of Audibly Speaking, a show on the stories behind the stories of our time. By sounding out on these stories, we give voice to them and hear them for the first time. From the news of the day to history and literature, from audiobooks to leaders on the stump, we examine the backstories of our time, audibly speaking. Hello, this is Rick. I was inspired by a YouTube channel run by a lady named Claudia called Spinster's Library, where she talks about Victorian literature. And of course, Charles Dickens is not associated with portrayals of women in large part. He's more associated with portrayals of the working class. And of course, he also wrote historical novels like A Tale of Two Cities. But I was inspired by one of Claudia's videos where she praises Charles Dickens' portrayal of women in Oliver Twist, saying that the portrayal of women in that novel was very multidimensional. And that surprised me because I had done an extensive study of the portrayals of many characters in A Tale of Two Cities. And I cannot comment on Dickens's other novels because I'm not really a specialist in the works of Charles Dickens, but I have studied very closely A Tale of Two Cities. And so my comments here are going to be solely about that particular novel. And it seems to me that the portrayal of women in A Tale of Two Cities is more nuanced and multidimensional than is usually thought to be the case. Of course, if you look in a cursory way of his portrayal of women in A Tale of Two Cities, he seems to be anti-deluvian, to say the least. You have people like Lucy Minette, who is Simon Pure, a kind of angel on earth. And then on the opposite extreme, of course, you have Madame Defarge, who is the personification of all evil. And then you have a character like Miss Pross, who clearly is limited by her class and her station in life. She is an assistant to Lucy, and she's very emotional, and she seems at the beginning of the story to be quite one-dimensional. And of course, there aren't that many women in A Tale of Two Cities, and that's a hallmark of books that marginalize women. The shortage of characters. And this has been commented on by other writers. Women in Dickens' novels are said to be aide de camps to men, ancillaries to their ambition. Women live to serve men as helpmates. Some women are destructive, as, for example, Miss Mudston in David Copperfield, and, of course, Madame Defarge. But again, I want to limit my attention to A Tale of Two Cities. Peter Schechner wrote that women in Dickens' novels are metaphors for the things that men need. Men are not capable of supporting themselves emotionally, and so they need a wife's help to do that, and women are unable to support themselves financially. So men need women to be angels, and women need men to be leaders in other words the men are the directors of their lives and women are around to help men achieve the goals that they set women are portrayed as guiding lights they are otherworldly they are not suited for the hurly-burly and messy dirtiness of life and they have to defer to men in those areas dickens in his own personal life had serious problems with some women especially his mother and his wife. He thought his marriage was a total disaster, and he never forgave his mother for wanting to return him to a work prison when he was a young man. So why am I saying that in A Tale of Two Cities, women are portrayed multidimensionally? Well, I'm making the argument. I'm not fully convinced myself, but I think the argument can be made because there are some things that people overlook about women in a tale of two cities in conjunction with how the men are portrayed let's take lucy minette first lucy minette gets sydney carton to reform himself and it's not just because she's an angelic character although she is it's largely because of the rhetorical advice that she gives sydney She reasons with him. She gives him arguments for why he should get his life together, and all is not hopeless. And of course, Lucy Manette's advice is not pie in the sky. It's very realistic advice. Carton is distracted by alcohol and his own cynical regrets in life. And Lucy deftly gives him reasons for trying to reform himself. Now, of course, Sidney thinks he's doing all this because of his love for Lucy Minette. and perhaps that's part of it. But it is interesting that Lucy doesn't just bat her eyes and appear angelic to Sidney Carton. She gives him solid reasons for why he should reform himself. In another scene, Lucy schools her husband on the reasons why he should not be so dismissive of Sidney Carton. Charles Darnay is very insulting of Carton to his wife and he is the one who portrays Carton in a one-dimensional way in his insults towards Carton. Lucy will have none of that. She tells Darnay that Sidney is not the man he thinks and that she knows him better than he does. So here's a woman saying that she understands this man better than a man understands him and she forces him to promise that he will never again disparage Sidney Carton. And of course, he does promise Lucy that he will not disparage Carton. I think it's significant that early in the novel, Lucy drags out of Jarvis Laurie the truth about her father. Laurie does not want to come clean to Lucy, but Lucy doesn't just, again, bat her eyes at Jarvis Laurie. She presses him. She uses her womanly ways, yes, she doesn't hit him over the head with a hammer, rhetorically speaking, but she does find ways of drawing from him the fact that her father is still alive and that they're going to see him, and she does this in a matter of minutes over lunch. I think that's significant. I also think it's important to make the observation that it's not fair to say Oh, you've got these two characters, Lucy Minette and Madame Defarge, and they're such opposites. The angelic woman versus the evil witch. I think that's unfair because the men are portrayed the same way. You have opposites in the form of Sydney Carton and Charles Darnay. And there is no other reason for them to be opposites than that that drives the story. It shows the two cities being different, the two everything being different in the case of the revolutionary France and the classical England with all its stolidness and solidity. So this is a story about opposites. So it's not because of gender that Dickens portrays Lucy and Madame Defarge as opposites. It's because of the story, so I think Dickens should be found not guilty in that particular portrayal. Now, of course, later in the novel, Lucy does confront Madame Defarge, if that's the right word. I'm not sure confrontation's the right word, but she's certainly not a shrinking violet in her discussions with Madame Defarge. She knows Madame Defarge is pure evil, but she meets with her anyway, and she keeps her mouth shut when it is politically astute for her to do so. But she also negotiates with Madame Defarge and tries to reason with her to give Madame Defarge reasons why she should not convict her father. It doesn't work, and Lucy cuts her losses. She fights her battles carefully. She does what she needs to do to try to get her father off vis-a-vis Madame Defarge. But when that doesn't work, she doesn't waste any more time on Madame Defarge. Also, you will remember that she has these interactions towards the end of the novel with the carpenter. When she goes to the prison, the carpenter is often there casting aspersions on her husband, joking in a very macabre way about his fate. And, of course, Lucy tries to steer clear of the carpenter, and she tries to go when he's not likely to be there. But when he is there... She is quite masterful in talking to him in such a way that she will not put her husband in any further danger. And there also is the fact that Lucy Manette is in revolutionary Paris in the first place. This is not the place for a Victorian woman. Now, obviously, she's there in order to try to release her husband from prison. And she would do anything for her husband, and she can't be of much help to him in London. Nevertheless, here is a Victorian story where a woman, where an English woman is visiting a very dangerous place, bringing her child along and acting in important elements of the plot. She doesn't try to dissuade Sidney Carton from his plan. She takes swift action when Darnay shows up at the carriage rather than Carton, and she helps to soothe her father on the way out as they're fleeing Paris. So she's a strong personality, I would argue. And the same can be said for Miss Pross. Miss Pross manages to do what nobody else in the novel can do. She destroys Madame Defarge. Now, Some of that is attributed to her Englishness and to her strength and love of England. But nevertheless, uh, this is something that women are not supposed to have. According to Peter Schechner, women are not supposed to have strength but certainly Miss Pross does. She is portrayed as emotional when she thinks about Lucy, but she's very crafty. Although she's often portrayed as a comical character, she's also portrayed as a pivotal character, especially towards the end of the novel. She represents the strength of England, which Dickens admires. If we go back to Dickens' personal life, I think it's worth observing that although he never forgave his mother, I think she exercised an influence over him precisely because he respected her. He could never forget the way she betrayed him because he felt that she was a strong personality and he wanted very badly to have her respect. And so she wasn't a cipher. She wasn't somebody who represented a type she was an individual person and in many respects so is Lucy Lucy's a symbol, yes she's an angel, yes she's a symbol of the opposites that all the characters symbolize but just as Sidney Carton is a multi-dimensional character so I would argue is Lucy Minette and Miss Pross so I hope I've made this case in a persuasive way perhaps not I'm still not sure myself that Dickens has broken the mold and has gone over to the side of male writers who can portray women accurately and sympathetically and realistically. But I made the best case I could, and only in the case of A Tale of Two Cities. That's it for today's episode of audiblyspeaking.com. New podcast episodes appear on audiblyspeaking.com approximately once every two weeks. Please subscribe to Audibly Speaking on iTunes or whatever podcast aggregator you enjoy. Until next time, this is Rick Ryman. Happy listening.